Hello and welcome to The Sunday Salon, a podcast celebrating brilliant books and the women who write them. My name is Alice Zania Jarvis and each week I chat to an inspiring female author about her work, her career, how she writes, what she reads and everything in between. I'm interested in the stories behind the stories and the joy that books can bring, no matter what genre or style. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, but for the best experience, I really recommend using the new app Entail, which will allow you to look at exclusive pictures as we talk, click on links, even shop the books featured. It's truly amazing. My guests this week are the hugely inspiring Anna Jones and Debbie Wasco. Both successful businesswomen in their own right, Anna was the CEO of Hearst for three years, and Debbie was a serial entrepreneur who sold her home-swapping business, Love Home Swap, for nearly £41 million. They set up the Albright Club in September 2017. A members club for businesswomen, it has two spaces in London and is soon to open in LA. They've also just published their first book, Believe, Build, Become, How to Supercharge Your Career. So Debbie, Anna, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having us. Um, I wonder if we could start with the book. Uh, Can you tell me the backstory to you deciding to write it? And how would you sum it up in a sort of elevator pitch way? So probably the the backstory to the book is is the backstory to us, in Mm. a way, um, and the story of Albright, which is the business that Anna and I have been running for the last couple of years that has at its heart, how do you build this monster global sisterhood of women who have got each other's backs and given what Anna and I have done in our careers me as an entrepreneur um, AJ is the, the CEO of Hearst how can we make our story relevant and practically relevant for any woman because if we can do it they can do it too and so the thinking behind Believe Build Become is how do we create something that's super practical that talks through a load of different examples but also tips on how to build what we think is at the heart of what can often hold women back confidence resilience Mm. negotiation Mm. skills Mm. and how do we make it not just theoretical but at the end of every chapter which we'll get on to and you've read the book we actually give people the work to do because what we have been all about in terms of building our career stories is preparation 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 and that that's the mantra behind the book so it's a practical how-to guide for women in order to progress at work whether that's as an executive whether that's as a freelancer whether it's as an entrepreneur whatever it is that they're doing this is a guide to enable them to do it bigger better and with more confidence okay fantastic Uh, that really did explain it brilliantly and you said lots of things there that I want to follow up on but before I do um, could you give me a little bit of background on each of you individually because you've had quite different careers Anna, you were CEO of Hearst for almost three years. Debbie, you were an entrepreneur. Um, can you tell me about your careers to this point? I know that's quite difficult in a couple of sentences. But <laughs> 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 we can have a go. Yeah, um, so um, I have worked in the media most of my career. Um, I always knew I wanted to work in business. I actually did a business degree right. and then sort of arrived in London and thought, right, what am I going to do? I, I want to do something in marketing and landed in comms. And then I sort of pivoted through to uh, marketing um, through a short stint 
in video games, which was actually right. um, something I wasn't particularly passionate about, but I realised it was an interesting stepping yeah. stone. And we talked a little bit about that in the book about how you can sort of plan your route through your career, and it's you know it's of often not linear. Yeah. Um, I then uh, started working for um, a magazine group called EMAP, which was a very cool place to work mm. at the time. Um, got to work on some amazing launches, um, things like Grazia. Um, I launched. I was the marketing manager on Grazia when that launched um, and I then basically progressed through a couple of different companies um, and I got to do lots of different things so marketing director I was digital director I then ended up being um, head of strategy um, COO at Hearst and then CEO at Hearst so mm. I've sort of and in between that I've published various of the titles as well some of which you've worked on yourself <laughs> um, so I, I've sort of mainly work for other people but running lots of different businesses and doing a few non-exec roles on boards uh, along the way at the same time. And when you're at Hearst as well you, you oversaw this diversification didn't you taking it beyond magazines into events and other I did. ventures. So quite good preparation for. Yeah yeah absolutely because I mean Debbie and I actually think quite a lot about our, our business now and, and you can actually see it through the lens of a content business yeah um you know so so my job and my kind of mission at Hearst was to think about those very well-known brands you know they're very famous global brands but they were mainly obviously in print but mm. you had these communities around the brand so what I thought about was how could we expand the businesses and deliver other services and products and activities to those communities that would be beneficial to the business and beneficial to them. So I suppose it's not a huge leap for me to, to now be um, running a business which is also about a community but with sort of physical space at the heart of it. And, and Debbie, what about, what about you? Because I think you started your first business when you were in your early 20s. I did, yeah. Yes. So I've had a totally... Uh, different and far less elegant career uh, to my co-founder. So I, um, after graduation, went into management consultancy, was a fairly terrible management consultant, and set up my first business when I was 25. And since then, I've built and sold three different digital businesses, wow. uh, the last of which was called Love Home Swap which was a home exchange for holidays business, a bit like the movie The Holiday. Yes. The inspiration for that striking when I was on a plane flying back from a really rubbish holiday with two small children and watched the film. Not the greatest of rom-coms with Cameron Diaz <laughs> and Kate Winslet. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very fond of it. Maybe I've overwatched it probably yeah. the years that followed. Um, and thought, does that even exist? And, and Love Home Swap was born and I sold it to Wyndham Worldwide, the um, hotel group in 2017 for 53 million dollars. Um, so my background has been uh, far scrappier. It's been about taking the ideas that keep you awake at night and turning them into a reality, mm. into a business that can grow and scale and make money. But for me, at the core of that journey has also been my own story of my life and family and mm. being surrounded by amazing women matriarchs in my family um, who also have run their own businesses as mm. well as looking after families and feeling very certain even from a young age that I would do my own thing. 
Mm. And for this business number four, for Albright and the business that sits behind Believe, Build, Become, and it comes out in the book a lot, I think both of us come from families where there are strong women. AJ's Mm. one of four sisters. um, Really thinking about what we can do to change the conversation for women who work has been a passion of mine throughout everything I've done, Mm. mostly because... I've usually been the only woman at the table. Mm. Uh, And over a a 20-year career, not an awful lot seemed to have changed. Mm. And so that's some of the context behind Albright. And for Anna and I, the business is a combination of profit and purpose. And a lot of what shines through in the book, I think, is if women can build amazing networks and fantastic confidence and resilience, then we can change a lot of that. Mm. I think the thing that was interesting for us in our last roles is that we were outliers. You know, hers had been around for over 100 years and hadn't had a female CEO before, Mm. even though I had 1,000 people and 77% of them were women and yeah. we mainly focused on female um, led brands and communities and Debbie was a tech entrepreneur and there's kind of a small handful you could probably gather them all in this room mm-hmm. at the time and we you know we just knew so many amazing women who were striving and ambitious in their careers and wanted to get to the top or wanted to just you know excel in their in their workplace but didn't feel that they could do and we also knew a lots of entrepreneurs who wanted to start or indeed scale their businesses and so i think you know a lot of what we've been thinking about is how can we empower that and also how can we demystify a lot of this stuff and so that's really what's at the heart of believe bill become is is thinking about our own network and a lot of the people who are members of our club and the people who've been on our academy and the contributors that we've worked with and just to to really work with them and to think about our own careers and demystify some of that stuff and so that's what we've tried to do is to make it very practical very pragmatic and very jargon free because our jobs always is to, is to simplify things I've always seen my job as that you know if there's something complicated mm. can I simplify it and that's the way that you you solve for it and how did you two initially meet am I right in thinking you were sort of set up at a party it's wow. <laughs> our four-year anniversary I think, yeah, really yeah. Anniversary. so it was um well I suppose a couple of points on that that have actually been really important in how we we thought about both shaping the business and writing the book um so it was serendipity in the sense that it was a party of a mutual friend who got hold of me and dragged me over to Anna and said you two should be friends and he totally called it right and it's sort of that moment when you meet someone at a party which can sometimes be a man but in this case was my future business partner and you know we talked and talked and over the sort of six to nine months that followed we were ostensibly meeting to talk about work life the universe and everything because of something very powerful about meeting another female CEO, because you don't meet them all the time. Mm. But also we were sort of sizing each other up, I think, for for what might (laughs) follow. And and so the the two points from our meeting that I think are important, the first is that when we think about the physical spaces that we've created and the digital community that we've built, part of the reason that we've done it is you can't just leave these things to serendipity. Mm. If Anna and I had never met, if we hadn't gone to the party, then Mm. our lives would have taken a totally different track. And we Mm. know that amazing things can happen when you get women together in a room. Mm. So number one was how do we make sure that what happened with us wasn't a one-off? Number two, and and this is a really important part of our story, we were introduced by a man. Mm. And the role of men in all of this, you know, gets a chapter in the book and also a sort Mm. of shout out in the acknowledgements. 
and, and has been something that we've been very upfront in talking about when we think about our spaces and what they're there for. We find it totally consistent to be celebratory of women, helping women to build network, mm. create confidence and resilience without being anti-men. And for that mm. reason, in our buildings, men are very welcome. Mm. So those are the two things that came from our sort of random meeting. Mm. But, but most importantly, I think what we have in common are lots of different things. We're both northerners, not that you would know from the accent anymore. We're both, and we describe ourselves as northern grafters. We're both very hard workers, but we are totally obsessed with action. And so I think that's how you go from having this idea about well, what can we do to drive change for women to actually over a reasonably short period of time building the clubs, the community, the book, the magazine, you know, every single version of what we've done and much, much more to come. And in that sense, the chemistry that can exist between two people and the way in which we both egg each other on mm. um, to world domination but also <laughs> we're there at the end of the week or the day to have a gin and tonic mm. and have a laugh about some of the ludicrous things that happen in our work life is really important and we are our own microcosm of an amazing kick-ass network for one another we have mm. each other's backs we're there to big each other up we're there to pull the other one up because there's obviously a sort of pendulum that swings where one of us is on top of the world and the other one isn't i was just asked that the other day actually i said it's very rare that we both have a down we never have a whole down day anyway but it's very rare that we're both kind yes. of down at the same time that's been, probably only happened a couple of times and then we'll have another gin and tonic yeah 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 <laughs> and, and also i think um Alongside that, we're very different. Mm. Um, our backgrounds are completely different. The other thing that people always want to know is how do we divide responsibilities, the subtext of which can sometimes be isn't there some sort of jockeying for position, uh, or is a yes from one of you, a yes from both of you. We have just been so lucky that we just slipped into an obvious division of labor, an obvious different set of strengths between one another and an absolute mutual respect for what the other one brings to the table. And I think that's part of the reason that we've done so much in such a short period of time. And I think at the heart of it all is this notion of sisterhood and what we found by meeting each other and what we've started to build, we wanted to be able to be replicated. And mm. that's what we see um, in our clubs and that's what we really is at the heart of the, the book is this thing around sisterhood works it really mm. does work and actually if we buoy each other up if we expand our networks we workshop things with each other we are there for each other um, amazing things will happen so although it's all about the practical and the how to how to feel more confident how to feel more resilient how to negotiate better at the heart of it all it's how can you build your sisterhood mm. and how soon should you start we would say start you know start today but you yeah. can start you know any time um, and that fundamentally will make a big difference to your life mm. your career and hopefully all of the statistics that we know very well where women are behind behind in getting those big c-suite roles behind mm. in being funded for their businesses behind in their mm. pay um, but you know if we all work together and we do involve enlightened men along on that journey mm. um, we think we can get there and that's why it's really exciting to have you know taken a moment to actually write all of this stuff down. Um, you used the word serendipity uh, a moment ago which is very interesting because you've described the club before as organized serendipity. Yes. Um, can you explain what you mean by that? 
Um, I think it's a, an extension on this point that amazing things happen when you get a bunch of women together in the room. And part of the reason that physical spaces are such an important part of what Albright stands for and indeed our business model is that we know that buildings have a power and they can stand for something above mm. and beyond just bricks and mortar. And by creating these environments that are very female friendly from the art on the wall to the hand wash in the basins, the programming that happens in the building every day, you create an environment where it's very easy for women to connect with other women. Mm. And we see that on our floors all day, every day. Mm. People asking, women asking the woman next to them, what is she working on? You know, we do quite a lot of organized serendipity in the class. We run networking events for members on an Mm. almost daily basis. We run a series in our magazine, which we now publish, obviously, uh, my business partner can't leave that one alone, so we do a quarterly magazine called Albright. We run a series in that called We Met at the Albright. The real stories, and this is the stuff that keeps us going, because any Mm. business is hard, and we work very hard to grow this thing, and it it always has its challenges. The real-life stories of women whose lives have been changed, as ours have been changed, by meeting other women Mm. in our buildings, on our academy, through Albright Connect, which is Mm. our networking app for women, and and that's the real deal so it will always be serendipity of who you're sitting next to or who Mm. do you reach out to but if we can make that happen on a regular basis then that's a lot of the way that you drive change And, and the thing that's a real joy is genuinely every day members will come up to us and say Uh, I've started a business with X or Y that I met at the Albright or I'm going on holiday this Saturday with my new best friend who I met at the Albright you know I've just got my first Ned job or actually I've just my my business has been funded through Mm. people I've met at pitch day which we run once a month and you know sometimes particularly when we organize parties and people have you know had a a couple of roses they're coming up to us with really with tears in their Mm. eyes just Mm. saying this has been amazing and so that's what we mean about organized serendipity we're sort of putting a roof on it you know Mm. so you can come along but of course for us we want that to be beyond our physical spaces which is why it's so important to us to have a digital network and why it was so important for us to write this book i guess our hope with the book um is that we can spawn a series of Believe, Build, Become Real Life book clubs Mm. where women can take this book and make it real for them and build their networks off Mm. the back of the book because Mm. the physical spaces that we create and we have Los Angeles and New York opening later this year and lots more to come are wonderful but they only take us so far Mm. and what we hope that the book becomes is a really practical guide for women to work through in groups of women that they may know or not know or meet in future because that's how we build a proper movement. One of the things you address in the book is the idea of networking and how it doesn't have to conform to that sort of tired stereotype of of warm white wine and sort of business cards thrust into palms. and you also, you know, you reinforce throughout the book the idea of consulting your sisterhood of, say, practicing a pitch, uh, practicing a salary negotiation in front of a, a girlfriend or a, a, a female colleague or whatever. Um, how would you recommend for someone who, say, an introvert or finds reaching out to people, exposing themselves, their vulnerability in that way difficult, how would you recommend they start that process? So. I certainly wouldn't throw yourself into one of those huge networking events. So if, you, if you're an introvert and that's you know you, you fills you with dread, I think you have to pick 
your um, moment and pick the forum that feels right to you. And we always say, you don't have to go to a networking event to network. So you can meet someone at a party, you could mm. meet somebody at the gym, you could meet someone at your, you know, you could set up a book club or go to a book club. So it doesn't have to be, I think we have this horror of networking events. So I think you have to think about what's suitable um, for you. And also, it's okay to not run around the room going, I've met 20 people tonight. You know, Mm. I mean, you see people who do that, and some people do that absolutely wonderfully. They've got their business cards, and up they trot, and they go around, and they're not happy until they've spoken to 20 people. It can be just as meaningful, in fact, sometimes more so, to have a Mm. deep conversation with one or two people who are often feeling vulnerable as well and a bit weird about being somewhere. Mm. Um, And I think it's just that thing around being curious about people so Mm -hmm. you know we talk about that just having some curiosity and seeing it as a conversation rather than a transaction Mm -hmm. you know I think if it's a set piece networking thing then we would say make sure you've got your elevator pitch ready and what we mean by that is have you know a couple of things that you want to say about yourself Mm. and your business or why you are there so that you feel comfortable have a couple of anecdotes ready and if you really want to get something out of it it's a set piece networking piece then make sure that you've done your homework beforehand and if Mm. there are one or two people that you really want to meet and talk to do your homework and then Mm. you go and find them and then at least you've got some common ground straight away so I mean there's a lot in there but I think you have to think about why you are um, going to that networking forum and what's the right approach for you because there's nothing worse because if you're anxious um, that's going to come across Mm. Um, so I think it's important to, to, to weigh that up before you kind of throw yourself in. Well, that sort of taps into another big message of the book, which is the preparedness that you referenced earlier. Um, I was really struck by that, how much you, as both successful, confident people, still prepare for almost everything. Um, You don't wing it. Can you tell me a little bit about that and about the... Give me a few examples of, of things you prepare for and how. I mean, if you think about what Anna and I have to do in any given day, mm. um, it's a huge part of our life to speak, to speak mm. to people, um, to speak to people in public, um, to stand up on stages and tell the Albright story, mm. as well as dealing with our team, as well as dealing with investors, as well as dealing with media and people like mm. you. Um, we think that you can grow your own confidence and resilience by Mm. working at it it's like a muscle Mm. and that one of the reasons to really hammer that home in the book is that I think that from the outside what we do can perhaps seem a bit effortless you know there we are in the photos in the nice frocks Mm. and actually the amount of work and preparation and gaming things and playing them out and rehearsing with one another our mini sisterhood that is behind the scenes is really critical to emphasize because the key message of the book is if we can do it you can do it too mm. genuinely and and showing to people and telling women look this is what goes on behind the scenes mm. and and don't feel afraid to practice to fail to say you're not certain you know i, I think we say in the intro all of our best off-the-cuff remarks are well rehearsed. Mm. We we game and rehearse everything from dresses to delivery. I think that's why we're able to ensure that we do our best work. And 
behind every great successful story or entrepreneur or executive is the host of people that have helped to get them there and our take on that and back to the point on sisterhood works is make sure that you've got your core crew of trusted people that you can do that for and Mm. so for Anna and I and I think without wishing to speak to Anna but particularly as an entrepreneur but in a business that has amazing customers like the kick-ass women who are part of Albright in some shape or form, talking to them, sometimes lots and lots of them at once, or talking to them through a newspaper or on a podcast or mm. on the radio is a big part of what we have to do. And it's really important to practice that. So no, so no we don't wing it. Mm. We do want to ensure that we are well rehearsed, consistent, and that our time is well spent. And also we improve each other you know Mm. we are like sisters um in the sense that we do mark each other's homework in Mm. a very um warm and loving way but that (laughs) you know that really matters because i think that's how we get better results because you need another view and for us in our daily life we can focus on different parts of the business but we always say we do our best work together because it's iterative Mm-hmm. You mentioned two words there, uh, confidence and resilience, both of which are explored in the book in, in detail, and they, they coexist. Confidence is difficult, but we do hear a lot about it. Resilience, I was really struck by that section because you don't hear so much about the, the importance of resilience. You hear a lot about how it's important to project your voice and mm-hmm. project, you know, have good posture and be confident and all these things. Um, can you just explain the power of resilience and, and why it's so crucial and how it feeds into confidence? I think it's probably the most important thing, mm. if not by the name resilience, then grit, which is the other thing mm. that we, we talk about. And there's a sort of version of that where I like to frame it as the three things that you need um, in order to be the best version of yourself or to succeed, which are three Gs graft which is a lot of Mm. hard work grace which is grace under pressure Mm. which is sometimes hard and and grit which is the most important of things Um, a lot of stuff happens that is unpredictable and sometimes very difficult to deal with and I think it isn't um, having good luck but it is how you deal with adversity and Mm. in the book we talk about some of the stuff that has happened to us I think you know I, I mentioned it in the book and I've mentioned it in other interviews if I look back over my life, my love home swap life of starting out that business, I just got divorced, which nobody plans for, mm. with very, very young children. And mm. I think that business grew out of the, was the phoenix out of the fire mm. of that difficult situation. Mm. And I think really tapping into your inner resilient self, even on days when you don't feel like it's there. The quote that I think starts that chapter is one of my famous life quotes, which is, Thomas, well, attributed to Thomas Cromwell, but via Hilary Mantel, um, which is about the things you think are disasters in your life are mm. not disasters really. Almost anything can be turned around out of every ditch, a path if only you can see it. And I had that written on a poster on my laptop for really quite a long time, and it still sits in my mm. inbox. I think that sense of out of every ditch a path and and Anna and I have different versions of that something we we talk about in the book and and is genuine is at least once a day we say to each other rhino hide darling you know because that is part of it but I think what we have in common whilst we have our differences in background and perhaps our differences in terms of areas of focus or expertise is that sense of 
out of every ditch a path. No matter how bad the day is, one of the things that we thankfully have in common is a very short memory. So we wake up the next day and we're, we're ready for it again. And I think even when bad things happen or things don't work out as planned or life chucks an unexpected curveball at you, the trick to learn is that positive mental attitude or that mm. ability not to ignore it, but to really think about, well, how can I you know, build the, the path out of the ditch? And I think that's something yeah. you do every day. And, and also just thinking about these things, they don't last. Usually mm. there's not that many things that don't pass, you know, good things and bad things so I think it just it's reminding yourself of that is important it's Mm. hard in the moment but I think to try and reflect on things that you've overcome in the past Mm. is important and and also I think in in a business context not to take everything so personally so I think um women particularly and I'm sure as included uh can often take things very personally when actually that it's it's just business mm. you know so sometimes people are having difficult conversation or dealing with complex office politics or that somebody's ranting at them or their boss is awful to them or uh, and I think um, it's easy to take that personally um, and I think one of the tricks to being more resilient is to just realize that actually that's not always your issue it's someone else's issue mm. and sometimes some of these decisions are business-led and they're really not personal and that's really easy to say and really hard to do but I do think it's it's something that we need to again just just get used to doing get used used to thinking about and I think that's something about our dynamic as well and this point on sisterhood is we do talk each other off the ledge and and you know generally if one of us is really cranked up about something the other one can give perspective and And I think that's the trick exactly and that's often Mm. the trick to personal resilience is to have the women in your network, in your sisterhood or your co-founder or your your actual sister or whoever Mm. who can help to give that perspective and and that's how you move through things. Can I ask you about um, motherhood? I, I, I sort of hesitate slightly when I ask that because men obviously don't get asked how they juggle their careers with their children very much. Uh, but you do address it in the book um, and the challenges women can face, um, you know, going off maternity leave, coming back, uh, juggling childcare uh, and work, particularly in a society which doesn't always place as much pressure on men to do the, their share or whatever. Can you tell me how you have approached that as 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 mothers, both of you yourselves, and 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 you know, hugely successful business people as well? I think there's no magic bullet for mm. this. I think everybody has a very um, personal way of dealing with motherhood and the challenges that come with it. I mean, um, I uh, had two children when I had, uh, you know, both times I had a big job, but. Um, the second time it was kind of unexpected <laughs> that I was suddenly pregnant I had a very big job I was integrating two companies my boss at the time said could you just not tell anyone you're pregnant please and I'm like okay you know it's like right three months four months okay really now I'm kind of starting to show because he didn't want to upset the team and you mm-hmm. know it was it was um, it was quite a, a challenge um, I, but but I think the way that I've always thought about it is I want to do something in my career that I 
love mm. um, because I really love my kids, but I know that I wouldn't be the best stay-at-home mother. Mm. Um, I want the time I spend with them to be great time. So for me, that means having the balance between um, you know, work and motherhood but I think it's really important that they understand what I do so you know we talk about it a lot as kind of having a it's not balance it's about work-life blend Mm. so you know so that means for us that you know our kids come into the um into the clubs they know what we're doing you know they have their parties there um we talk about what we do they're interested um i think because obviously we've got a a real sense of purpose with this business that's important as well so i was trying to explain the um the point on equality to my son through the medium of sweets (laughs) because it's only six so i'm like okay well what if hannah only had four sweets and you had six you know we were talking about sort of you know pay gap and Mm. it's like okay that's not fair and I think what's really important because I've got a boy and a girl and I think it's Mm. important that they both be brought up as as um, feminists but that's the way you know I do it and and have done it and we we're always I'm always there you know at every school concert at you know um, every important moment um, I I, I try to be there. I collect them every Friday, so we have that special time and we make kind of a big deal of that. Um, but I think it's important to me that they see me working, that they d- that I'm doing good work, hopefully, mm. that I enjoy what I do. Um, and I think that that's a valuable thing for them to see every day. Mm. In terms of what you are hoping to do next with the club and the book, you mentioned you'd like lots of women to set up book clubs. One thing we'll that help makes them, it don't worry <laughs> to, to do it. We'll give Go them the materials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, well, I, I very much believe in the power <laughs> of the book club. Um, you've left these sections in the chapters for people to kind of do their own exercises. To, to it's really is practical. It's sort of how will you, you, you set many challenges and and then leave it for the reader to to complete those challenges. Why was it important to you to do that? I think. Um, if we look at the vision behind Albright and how Anna and I are as people, it is about, as we always say to our team, well, what happens now? Like, What are we actually going to do now? Because it's possible, particularly in um, the areas that we've covered off around confidence, resilience, career success, to read the theory and then mm. put the book away and you've read the theory and you know that you should be doing but you don't really know what to do. Mm. Um, and I think for us both really really laying out here are practical things Mm. that you can do yourself whoever you are at the end of reading this chapter was super important Mm. thinking about what next with it um, because what Albright is about is building this monster global sisterhood is we know from our own preparation and marking each other's homework and and individual sisterhood that you are better together. So Mm -hmm. how can we create more communities of women who are going through this exercise with somebody else? Because, you know, that's the absolute holy grail Mm -hmm. is that we're able to use this book as a vehicle for women to build their own networks and sisterhoods who they can practice in real life with as we do. Mm. And compare notes with you know. Yeah. To say yeah. how would you tackle this? Because these none of these things are linear. And frankly speaking, you probably get to the end, and we would say, well, okay, you might need to go back to the beginning start again, and yeah. start yeah. again, yeah. Yeah. or you go for a new role, or you're thinking about doing something different. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you're soon going to LA with the club. Um, why go to America? What what what's motivating that decision? 
I think a couple of different things, um, and I am spending a lot of time in LA, so generally I get asked why LA as well as why America. I think what we've been able to build up in London at speed is this group of amazingly diverse women who are a community. Frankly, with LA, it felt like they needed us um, because off the back of Me Too, Time's Up and everything else that's happened in that town where typically women have not been empowered and probably of all of the towns in America, writ large has been gender disparity. So at the heart of the movement, it felt like LA was really fertile for an Albright type community. Um, I think for us as entrepreneurs, we're very, very ambitious for the business. We want to build a billion dollar business that is led by women, about women, about Mm. building women's networks and delivers a huge return for all of the investors who have put their hand in their pockets about women. Full stop, that's the plan. And so for that reason, uh, we talk laughingly with our team, they're not always laughing because they have to help us (laughs) deliver about world domination. But that's very real for us because wouldn't it be brilliant if Albright became a huge business that at its core empowered and employed women to make a difference for women and therefore did so. So America is the obvious place to go. LA is super exciting. We're learning a lot about that community. New York next up. We're looking at Washington, Toronto. We're figuring out what we do in Asia. We're figuring out how we grow the digital footprint of the business to reach as many women as possible because that's a really important part of the strategy that we're fully diverse, that we're accessible. There'll always be a part of Albright that is completely for free and Mm. that really matters. Mm. And that's part of what the book is here to do is to Mm. spread the word, spread the mission, build these networks outside of just our buildings so that we're surrounded by in the family incredible women. How much fun is that? It's brilliant. Um, We're running out of time, so I'm going to have to let you go soon. Um, But before I do, two things. Uh, First of all, you mentioned an element is free, and I I just want to make clear to everyone listening that, you know, you have these fantastic online tutorials. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have the Albright Academy, and we've got two different courses. Um, One is for executives, so people who work for someone else, and one is for entrepreneurs. And they are basically very, again, very practical. So it's inspiration. So there's amazing experts, and we open each um, module. um, And you have lots of homework to do. They take about three to four hours a week to do. Um, And then you have the exercises for actually what will you do Mm. this week. Um, So they're they're all available on our website so we would encourage people to do it we've had thousands of women go through the courses um, and we've had really good feedback in fact funnily enough a few people have said to me you know I've done the course it, the content's really good so much better than I thought and I think well hang on I did run a content business for a long time. <laughs> of course it, it wasn't going to be rubbish but you know there's this assumption it's free so it will be yeah. it will be rubbish but actually um, it's really good quality so I, you know I would encourage people to, to sign up Definitely, definitely. And one final question, which I I ask all my guests. Um, If you could go back and give your younger self or any young entrepreneur listening one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, Debbie, let's start with you and then Anna. I mean, it's a bit we would say this, wouldn't we? But it it is build your networks early on. And I think that's something that women um, perhaps don't focus on in the same way as men either do or is um, inbuilt into communities of men. Mm. I think if I look at 
everything that I've done and particularly in later on in my career and with this business I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of my amazing sisterhood that I've picked up on the way should I have invested in that a bit sooner should I have thought about how to reach out and build this community of incredible and diverse women I think a lot of the time for women you're just you've got your head down and you're just getting on mm. with it so mm. build a network and a circle that's as broad as you possibly can and mm. it will pay dividends mm. it's fantastic advice um I would say the same but I would probably just say do something that you feel passionate about do something that you're really interested in because we're going to be working most of our lives mm. <laughs> so try and do something that gets you out of bed in the morning and that doesn't mean that every single job will do that and every single moment of a job but I think fundamentally if you feel passionate and excited about the space that you're in um, it makes the day fly by brilliant well that's a fantastic note to end on thank you both so much for your time it's been such a joy speaking to you thank you thank thanks you for, for having, having us. us and to everyone listening believe build become how to supercharge your career is out now that's it from us. Thank you so much for listening to The Sunday Salon. Please do share your thoughts about the episode with me. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alice Azania. And more importantly, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do rate or review it. It really helps other people find it, as well as its position in the charts. So until next week, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.